When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Um, this is John Burke from BurkeReviews.com, and I'm joined uh, with my transatlantic buddy, the Kingsman to my statement, Matt Hudson from WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk. What's up, Matt? Uh, very well. It's a lovely little intro there. Yeah, good. I've got a can of Dr. Pepper. We haven't done the BAMP for a while, and I've missed it, partly because there's nothing coming out of the cinema, but goddamn, we're here to change that. But yeah, I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing pretty well, um, and that's I think what you just said is important for the listeners. We we were doing the Bampocalypse. We uh, just dropped our last episode because apparently parts of the world think the apocalypse is over, um, which hopefully it is because the apocalypse being in process is a bad thing. But we we know the COVID nineteen pandemic still an issue. Um, other things have taken precedent, and some of those things are very important. Uh, Black Lives Matter movement being um, in the forefront right now is mm-hmm. great. Uh, however, let's not forget everyone that there is still a virus out there we want to be careful about. But that said, we we've ended the Bampocalypse uh, episodes. The mini series is over for now. It could always come back, just like the coronavirus, or mm-hmm. maybe we'll come up with another mini series. But we did decide to shift the format of the the main episodes of Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. If you've been listening for a while, uh, we've been doing this for about two years, and it's a monthly podcast traditionally where we would do the four movies of the month just past, which is kind of what we're doing today. Uh, We don't have four because May didn't have a lot of big releases because theaters are are closed. So we're just doing two movies today, but this will be our last month-based episode. This is our May episode for 2020. From this point forward, we're going to be doing um, a single movie review uh, with the new topics that we're going to get into after we do our reviews of the two films for this month. Um, So, if you like the way we've been doing it, get ready for more episodes, uh, less lengthwise, because we're only going to we're going to try to keep it under an hour so that you can listen to it on your commute. If you're actually getting to commute somewhere or you can listen to it while you sit at home and, you know, wish that the world wasn't you know burning around us, you know, whatever. If you're if you're like me and spend a lot of time on the toilet, listen on the toilet. And that's where I come up with most of my good ideas. But yeah, I'm excited to have a, a change up. I like the show how it was, but it's always good to evolve and morph and try new things. And I think what we're going to give you guys now is 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 a lot of fun, and it's uh, it gives a lot of it gives a chance for you guys to find out what me and John have been up to behind the scenes and like stuff you may actually want to hear about. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this new format. But um, I have to ask you, JB, up for, up top, yes. Bill and Ted teaser trailer dropped. Did you manage to catch it? I have avoided the trailer. Not because I don't want to see it. I am extremely excited about Bill and Ted's um, Face the Music. Uh, but I, I'm always apprehensive about trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I know it's called a teaser, but sometimes teasers are spoilers. And I uh, I also, I'm so like, I, I did see the poster. And I believe the poster still claimed summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm like, ah, I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I don't know if they're going to release it digital, um, which I'd be fine with. Uh, but I would like to see it on the big screen, but I don't know if we're going to really get to. Um, so I have not. Uh, did you watch it? I did, yeah. The release date in the United Kingdom is scheduled for the 21st of August. So um, Tenet is still going to get there first. But I did watch it. And obviously, in, in respect to the fact that you haven't watched it, I won't say an awful lot about it. But I did watch it. It was, um, And I thought it was pretty good. There's a few things I have issue with in it. But um, hell, it's... You know, be excellent to each other. It's gonna—it's almost like the film's dropping in August 2020 to send a message to the world, which is quite nice. And it, it could it be that Bill and Ted are, are the ones to help bring people together with that message? Hopefully so. But if you do watch it, I'd love to hear what you thought about it, and um, yeah, and I can finally tell someone of one of one of my main issues with it. Um, yeah, and I don't know how much you enjoy the films before the other films. Yeah, I te- I actually taught uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure to my film class this year. Um, you know, for uh, I think for the sci-fi section, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we didn't, or maybe I went fantasy because it's it's it really isn't. They don't ground any of their time travel in science. Everything's just kind of like yeah, no, it's just how it works. It's fine. Um, so I don't remember which one I went with. Uh, I think you could argue either or. Um, but I am a big fan. Uh, I like making students into fans because they always are kind of thrown off, especially because they know if they know Keanu Reeves, they know him as John Wick or <laughs> a few know him as Neo. And the so like seeing him Bram as Stoker's Dak Dracula, no one knows him as that. Um, Bram <laughs> oh, I do. Uh, I know. So do I. Inferno is one of my favorite misquoted, like what, a, what a bad piece of casting that was, but Hello, um, my lady, Inferno. That's the Inferno. <laughs> God, so bad. Um, I, I don't. Corey, uh, my other podcast buddy, uh, loves that movie. I am not a fan. Um, I've only seen it once, to be fair. But I did not. I I could not get past the bad, uh, bad performances from both. I him especially, which I don't fault him. I think it was bad casting. Um, and then Winona Ryder too is not good in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I generally like Winona, and just not not right casting like i don't know why you don't cast british actors for those roles you know doesn't nowadays make any sense. they're a dime a dozen you can get a british actor anyway now now british actors are doing american voices or right. ewan mcgregor scottish doing quite bad american accents but goddamn, do we love ewan mcgregor i just thought i'd ask you that because um it's obviously been doing around and i know you enjoyed the, the first few films and i hadn't seen your your take on it so now it makes perfect sense yep and i i meant to watch it like when it came out i think i was at the high school distributing yearbooks. So I couldn't watch it then. And then I want, I meant, I got an email from Regal that you get like uh bonus points for watching it through their app. Nice. And I did attempt to watch it through the app and it didn't pop up there. So I like went, I meant to go back to the email and click the link from the email. And I never did. So that's why I just haven't got to it. Um, but it, it's on the, it's on the mental radar to, to give it a go. Even though, again, I am always apprehensive of trailers. Like, since uh the theaters let's see like the one time i will watch trailers because i like to get there early mm-hmm. um i would i would that since we haven't been able to go i have not been seeking trailers out uh plus it's also a reminder that i don't know when i'm going to get to see some of the movies so it's just like eh, no trailers for the moment i don't usually i've said it before many shows we do i don't usually watch trailers mainly because i want to go in unsullied unspoiled even even if the trailer it doesn't tell you anything. I still like to know nothing as fast as possible. Other than like a Star Wars trailer, because I I can't help myself. But a bit, I just more bit of curiosity of Bill and Ted. I want to see how Alex and Keanu were together on screen again. But um, yeah. I'm still in, I'm still excited to go see the film. I'm still going to go and see it, man. 
and I'm hoping he gets a hoping he gets a major release. But so a couple of things that aren't getting major releases is anything in the last few months, which is like John said, we're going to be speaking about. We've got two films to speak about this episode. So John, shall we uh, dive in? Yeah, go ahead. What's the first movie we're talking about, Matt? Uh, the first one uh, released in May is a Netflix film, and it's The Lovebirds, which was directed by Michael Showalter, written by Aaron Abrams, Brendan Gahl, and Martin Giro. And it stars Issa Rae, John's boy, Kumail Nanjani, Paul Sparks, and Anna Camp. Uh, basically, it's about a couple, uh, Issa Rae and Kumail, and they're experiencing a defining moment in their relationship when they're unintentionally embroiled in a murder mystery. Don't you hate it when that happens? You go to get some yeah, ice cream, and you know... Like- FBI chasing you. Good old murder mystery rom-com. Um, it uh, should be noted, this was supposed to debut at South by Southwest. Yes. Um, then was supposed to be released in April. Um, like, wide release everywhere. And that got pushed back because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was then, maybe it was March. I can't remember. I feel like it was April it was supposed to come out. Mm-hmm. And then they, they pushed it back. And it got distribution with Netflix. And so it is available to watch. Um, another thing that uh, we should have probably said right at the top, um, because these are new movies, we will not spoil these. So no fears. If you haven't seen either of these movies yet, don't worry. We're going to give our general thoughts, general plot. The synopsis we just read is just from IMDb. So nothing uh, spoiler related here. Um, these are just our kind of takes on the film. So uh, Matt and I both watched The Lovebirds from Netflix. Uh, Matt, what did you think? Yeah, and yeah, all about reviews, spoiler-free. So uh, as for The Lovebirds, yeah, I checked it out on Netflix uh, a few weeks ago now. And because I like like John, I like Kumail Nanjani, and I like Issa Rae as well. So I thought, this is a good pairing up top. And um, firstly, what I will say is you got a film with a Pakistani man and a black woman in a relationship, and the movie doesn't make a big deal out of it. Good on you. This is what we need more of in 2020. We shouldn't have to say that, but you know, in other films, I probably would have made more of it, but I liked seeing that. Uh, as for the film, I thought it was okay. I thought it was just, I thought it was just okay. It had some good moments specifically in the first half of the movie. And also specifically when it centers on Gibran and Leilani, who are the characters played by Kumal and Issa Rae respectively, those guys just being a couple and arguing about things that couples argue about, those mundane things like restaurants and leaving reviews and stuff like that. I thought they, I thought they were the best parts of the film. The, uh, the two leads have a good chemistry, and they bounce off each other nicely. So yeah, the opening scenes are great. So the first scene and then like the flash forward. I thought it got a bit too wacky and a bit too OTT as it went on. It fell into like the game night uh, thing where it just got more oh. and more and more absurd. And it didn't also didn't really flow that well for me either. It deviated a lot. It never really got going. There was some decent editing um, between the comedy scenes and the action scenes, but it's like John said, it's a rom com. It's a it's a you know with crime elements, but it's a rom com. And the thing about rom coms is what we all love about them, but they're all very formulaic. They're all very predictable. So I won't hold that against the film because what movie like this isn't. But just as a heads up, it is very predictable. Um, so yeah, in summary, it's absolutely inoffensive in its ability to be enjoyed. You will sit down and you'll have a pretty decent time watching it. You'll laugh a few times. Some of the jokes didn't quite land for me, but I had a good one. I had a good time with it, but it's very much like a one and done for me. I've seen it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was okay, but I'm not going to rush back um, to see it again. But it was a nice, it was a nice look at how no relationship is perfect. However, you know, it may seem looking from the outside in. But no, I thought I thought it was okay. The, but the best part about it was Issa Rae and Kumail 
together. I thought they were great together. I thought they worked well together. The comedic timing between the two of them. Obviously, Kumail was very expressive and his t- comic timing is great. Issa Rae's a lot more brash and um, I like her sort of more wild style. But I thought it was all right. I thought it was all right. It's very much like game night. It's very much like a date night type film, like the actual film, date night. But I, I enjoyed it for what it's worth. Okay, I have taken severe offense to two things you just said. <laughs> One, game night is excellent. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I did about. like game night. I did enjoy that. Okay. Yeah, okay. Did. And then uh, date night. Do not that that movie should not exist. The the freaking Tina Fey and Steve Carell crap movie that is it was so awful. I didn't. I don't even think I made it through the whole thing. I could not sit through it. And that is to be fair to me. I Steve Carell comedic performances usually don't work for me. I like him as the dramatic actor. I like him as the antagonistic character in the films mostly. Um, there's a few exceptions to that, but like I do like Michael Scott. But it took me a while to like Michael Scott. Like I am I am on the office for Dwight and Jim and Pam way more than I am for Michael. In fact, most of the other characters I like more than Michael. I know that's a, a hot take, but that the opposite is true with Kamel. Without any question, you already said it. Kamel has a direct line to my funny bone and I absolutely adore everything I've seen him in. I listen to his podcast. Um I I am a big big fan. So full disclosure I have yet to see Kamel in a lead performance that I don't at least enjoy the movie. Um, even if I don't think it's great. Like, I don't think Stuber is great, but I do own Stuber because I think Kamel is hilarious in it and it makes me laugh. Um, I felt very similarly about this. Uh, I think the only Issa Rae movie I've seen is The Photograph from earlier this year, which I also really, really love. Very different performance, um, which is something I really liked about this is that I get to see the other side. I've heard she's very funny. I've not seen her HBO series and um, I did not see... The movie she did, like the body cross movie where her boss turns into a kid or whatever. I think I'm the boss or with the boss or little boss, something like that from last year. I didn't see that. So um, it's called Little, wasn't it? Maybe it's Little. I don't know. It's something like that. Um, I I really like this. I don't think it's the best rom-com. Um, I do think if this were back in the days of like cable TV where TBS would grab a rom-com and it would just run it. And that's I know that still happens, but I don't watch TV like that anymore. But if I did and this were on, I would totally have it on as like, you know, fun entertainment. It's different with actively choosing a movie now. I always feel this compulsion to pick something I have not seen or one of my like top comfort films, which this doesn't quite make it up to that bar. If I was going to pick a Showalter Kamel collaboration for that, it's The Big Sick. I freaking love The Big Sick. This doesn't live up to that, unfortunately. That was his last film, wasn't it, it, Showalter? I believe so. Yeah. Um, and it's, but I do think this is really good. Um, I, I want to bring up, I think a common complaint you made it, but it's also, I think something a lot of people say when they're trying to kind of nag a movie is that it's predictable, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's a bad thing if it doesn't want to be predictable. This movie is a, like a frozen dinner. You know exactly what it is. You know where all the little compartments are, you know, what's going to be there. And if it were not there, I think you might almost be disappointing. And that, it's not going to it's not going to be the height of cuisine, right? Like it's not going to be the best meal you've ever had, but it's going to it's going to satisfy your needs. It's going to give you exactly what you expected when you looked at the picture on the box. And that's what I think this movie does very very well. It delivers a good amount of jokes. I think the jokes are very funny. Um I think the couple is likable and I think that's important for a rom-com, right? You have to want the people to either be together or not depending cuz a rom-com can go the other way. Um, but you have to believe that the two people should be together, the, whether you're talking the characters or the actors. And I think there's a lot of chemistry between the two of them that make this movie very, very enjoyable, which you did say. So giving full credit to you on that. 
Um, uh, clearly, I'm a little more up on this, but uh, again, I can't deny Kamel just, I just love him. I, I can't get past it, I think. And now that he's hunky, I mean, you know, you took the let's be real. Enough, man. Dude, I was listening to their uh, the last episode of the Emily and Kamel podcast the other morning. And I guess it was, it's, they're in California. It's hot. He had to take his shirt off and Emily could not talk. (laughs) She was like flustered for a good, like two minutes. Just like, oh man. Before the show came on, I, um, I quickly Googled Kumail for something. And one of the first pictures that popped up was obviously now he's in the Eternals. He he was like the upper, his upper torso. I was like, God damn, that man is stacked compared to what you, he probably used to look like or what you think he looks like. like, This guy's an absolute beefcake. And it's, it's, it's almost unfair that you can be funny and look like that. Yeah. And a nerd. He's a, and a nerd like us, Um, you know, he's a, he's a movie nerd. He's a a game nerd. Um, So like uh, he's, he is the literal total package at this point because he's got the body, he's got the humor uh, which means the personality, in my opinion, because I think humor is important. And then he's got the the nerdy, like obsessive qualities of things, and that is, you know, um, good for Emily finding this man. Uh, but I I found this movie to be very enjoyable. It was definitely, especially when it came out. Like right now, there's other things that are taking my attention. I'm I'm still stressed, but it's like a different kind mm. of stress. Where like in middle of May, it was like lockdown fatigue i was really stressed out you know uh the school year was coming to an end so like listeners if you don't remember i'm a teacher so you know there was a lot of stuff going on there and i i really wanted to get out of the house and i couldn't get out of the house at that point so this movie was a nice kind of one because it's kind of touring the the city that they're in um they're going through you know place by place by place And, and again in a predictable manner i don't think the plot's you know you know explicitly original per se but i like the couple i like the humor um there's some really funny jokes i definitely laughed out loud several times and uh overall i I think the lovebirds is a fun a fun rom-com uh that's available if you have netflix yeah i mean predictable is good i I have no issue predictable when all aspects come together because i can't look at anybody Mm -hmm. in the eye and have them say to me for example end game avengers end game we all knew what was going to happen in avengers end game it's just how it gets to those points. And that's, for me, the most important thing is when I go into a rom-com, unless they really, you know, pull a, pull a Ryan Johnson and subvert things, you know what's going to happen at the end, but it's what happens in between that for me. And if it doesn't quite hit the, all of the beats I'm after, then I can sometimes feel a bit like, uh, not bored, because I didn't get bored during this film, but it, it, it does, it, when it feels by numbers, I don't feel quite so engaged because like you can, it's like a, it's like a pop song, a good pop song. You know, you know what chords coming next before the guitarist even strung it. Sometimes doesn't always make it a bad song, but sometimes. But if but if if you're not digging the melody, then you know it's just you know like it's like like the frozen dinner analogy. It's just a decent song with something missing. So if, for me, this was a good song, but with something missing, uh, I'm not quite sure what I wanted from it. But maybe I, maybe I wanted more laughs. I didn't quite get as many laughs as I wanted out of it. But there were some. There was a few times where I had a good old chuckle, and a few times when I laughed out loud because of a the way Kumail would say something or the way Issa would re- uh, Ray would react. So, um, yeah, the two of them working well together, I think, were the absolute high point of this film. So, yeah, like John said, it's on Netflix. Absolutely go check it out. It's, uh, it's a good film to watch if you've got uh, what, an, hour, an hour and a half, two hours spare, and you want to have a, you want to have a good time uh, maybe to escape the world we're living in at the minute. Now, the next movie that we're going to talk about, and remember, this will be the last 
this is the last planned episode to have multiple movies as the feature um, because we're just rounding out May. Um, but we'll be back next week with a new movie, just a single film. But um, this one is another Netflix original, uh, which is going to be probably a thing for a little bit since not all of the other networks are doing originals. Yeah, and it's not always a good thing. Um, and also, the uh, the a lot of the studios are still being very apprehensive about releasing their big summer blockbusters on digital only. Mm-hmm. Um, like Scoob came out in May, but neither of us really were dis- like wanting to pay twenty dollars <laughs> to watch Scoob. I don't and, want to pay the petrol to uh, watch Scoob. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have gone to the theater probably to see it. Honestly, like it's not a movie, and it's no offense to Scoob. I love Scooby Doo when I was a kid. I just whatever. But this movie that we're going to talk about now is called The Half of It, um, which is another Netflix original uh, directed by Alice, written and directed by Alice Wu, um, stars basically a bunch of nobodies, which is one of the things I love. This is an indie Netflix film, which we don't hear about enough uh, when they promote their movies. But it stars Leah Lewis, Daniel Damer, Alexis Lemire, and Wolfgang Novogratz. Um, As you'll probably note, none of those names sound super familiar. Uh, They've done a couple of other things, but nothing major yet. Um, even I think Alice Wu, this is one of her first films, uh, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, uh, I, um, the, the premise is that when a smart, but cash strapped teen, Ellie Chu agrees to write a love letter for a jock, she doesn't expect to become his friend or fall for his crush. Um, so unlike, I think, uh, the predictability that maybe you would expect from a rom-com and I would say this is a rom-com as well. Um, maybe it leans a little more into the young adult kind of drama. Movie. Yeah, but it's definitely humorous. And uh, there's a lot of, of heart here. And that is, I adore this movie. I, I didn't know anything about it going into it. Again, I don't know this cast. I have no connections to anything. So this isn't the Kamel winning me over kind of thing. This is um, a bunch of young actors who exhibit a lot of talent, a really good script, a very personal script. Um, it, it gives us an Asian lead uh, from an Asian director, which is not something we get nearly enough. Um, representation, I think, right now even more is an important thing we should be talking about with film. And this movie uh, gives a lot of, of that. And it does it in a very organic way. Um, and it just it gives us insight into a perspective of this young girl and what she's going through. Um, a unique situation with her father. And uh, she lives only with her father. Um you know, there's a whole element with that. It, it's just, it's funny. It's heartfelt. Um, I was very connected to the characters, uh, very invested in, in the outcomes. And one thing that I, I often hate about the genre is um, when there is a problem presented that could be resolved if one person would just open their mouth, but instead most of the movies choose to just let them be stupid and like not say anything or sore mouth or whatever. And I think this movie does a really good job of, um, being smart it doesn't do that like every time there's conflict because there is conflict i feel like the conflict is genuine and earned and i like when a movie can do that when it doesn't just feel like here's conflict for the sake of conflict or everything could be resolved if we just said this thing like imagine star wars if ben's like hey by the way let me tell you about your dad you know um the whole time right or like c3po is like hey i used to live here you know like any of those things um changes that movie completely right so this movie i think does a really good job of everything feels uh natural and organic um the dialogue feels that way the the even i really like the look of it It, there's kind of like a muted color palette to the film um i i just 
I I went into this because of the podcast. We were looking for stuff to do. I was like, oh, well, let's let's throw the half of it. People are talking about it. I loved it. Um, I've been kind of raving about it. I actually really want to rewatch it. And I just haven't. I've been watching a bunch of other stuff, but I I enjoyed this film a lot. And I would uh, I I am going to maybe upset some listeners. Maybe not because maybe no one who listens is in that demographic. But um, I think two years ago, The Kissing Booth came out yeah. on Netflix, and that yeah, movie is awful. It's super bad. But so, so many people loved it, especially, remember, I teach high school. So many of my students finally watched the movie that I'd seen, and they were just like, it's so great. I'm like, no, let me tell you why. And, you know, um, this is the opposite of that. This is a Netflix rom-com in the mindset that The Kissing Booth 2 is coming out this month. <sighs> and I don't understand it, um, but it was one of the most watched Netflix films, apparently. But Netflix doesn't give us their mm. actual statistics, so whatever. But um, this movie deserves to be seen way more than kissing booth two or the kissing booth so if you haven't seen the half of it please please take your time to watch it it deserves your views and again if you're already subscribing it will cost you nothing to see this excellent film with these this great cast very very likable every uh, and i have talked to some of my my graduates who have who did watch this everyone i've talked to has enjoyed it so now i want to hear from you matt did you like it as much as i did i did yeah i saw it Pretty much from the very, right at the beginning of May, almost like the first of May, I saw this film a long time ago, and that feels like, and it really does feel like a long time ago. And I really dug this film. I really, really, really like this film. It's a really good kind of coming coming of age story. And like you mentioned about the cast, I wasn't aware of any of them, especially a guy called Wolfgang Novogratz. What a name that is! Uh, he plays yeah. a guy called Trig in the film, but I wasn't aware. Of it. And that's and sometimes I like a film like that because you haven't got any connection to the actors. Uh, like you said, with Kumail, or for if it was someone like Natalie Portman in the film, I love Natalie Portman as an actress, and if so, I gravitate to her and I expect to like her performance and whatnot. With these guys and girls, I don't know any of them, so I'm not looking at them. I'm looking at them as if they're real people acting out a real film, and I thought they were really very good. Leah Lewis was great as this kind of yeah, socially is. awkward, smart teen. Daniel Dean grew into the role, I think, as the taco sausage loving jock footballer. He ends up being a nice boy. Um, I. To start with, I just think, oh Christ, they've really they've gone like the goon two routes and they've really dumbed this guy up really too much. But as the film goes on, they develop him. Uh, as de- uh, also the what develops is the main the main love plot of the film because I won't spoil anything. But that like the way that that it evolves, but it's not quite standard. It's not quite how you think it's going to be. Like John said, Alice Wu's direction is great. And there's some real good humour in it. As if, and again, there's a few times, and I did have a good laugh at this, where I actually sort of laughed out loud at a few of the things, um, kind of deadpan remarks. There yes. are, there's a lot, a lot of things happen that just happen without setup or resolution. There's a lot of story points that exist for that moment, and they don't really do a lot for the film, especially in the final third of the film. Things just happen. And I did notice it when I first watched it. It was just like, there was no setup for that but it's presented as if it's something I'm meant to care about. But they were, for the most part, minor things, you know, background things. As for the the main trio and how that all works out, I thought it was great. The ending's going to work for some. It's not going to work for others, I don't think, but I I liked it. I think it's really good. Um, and it's like you say, it's good to see an, an Asian director with an Asian lead. And we obviously had the farewell last year with uh, Lulu Wang and Aquafina. Uh, which is a very good film as well. So it's great to see, um, and it's ne- and it's great to see that Netflix are getting behind these kind of films because when Netflix gets it right with their indie films, 
they're really they're really good. They 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 have produced some decent films. When they go big, it usually falls apart. Yeah, I like the look of this film. It's set in this like weird fictional town called like Squahamish, which is a fantastic name for a fictional town. And you know the way that the characters are set up and developed and where they are in their lives. I think it it's a really well written film, and it's a film that doesn't get enough love. The people I know who have seen it, uh, for the most part, all think it's really very good, including John. But Netflix is such a crap way of promoting their own films. I mean, this is a film that, hey, look, maybe it won't win Best Picture. Maybe it won't win Best Actress. But goddamn, at least put some push behind it. At least don't make me search for this film. Put it front, put it at the front. Great. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom's up on, on Netflix to watch. Brilliant. Don't put that on the front screen. Put this on the front screen. I know that sounds kind of movie snobbish, but do it. Get more exposure to your own films. And But I think this is a great coming of age story. For me, The Edge of Seventeen still rocks, still wins the day for me. I've, and the thing that this film doesn't quite get right, I think The Edge of Seventeen does in terms of like spinning so many plates. Some of the plates topple in this film, only a few. But Edge of Seventeen keeps them all going, and that film is incredible. Another film you should see if you haven't seen it. Uh, which probably should have made my top 20 of the last decade as well. But yeah, the half of it, well, I wonder if they'll release a sequel called like the whole of it. I wonder, but because uh, we had all the boys I loved before, which again, I thought was incredibly good. And then I released the, the follow up, which was, which was pretty good. I wonder, I wonder. I it's, 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 it's in the, it's very much in the same vein, kind of, but it's not as good. I don't think, but I do wonder if they'd ever think about pulling out another sequel to this. Not that it needs one, but, yeah, I don't know I do if this wonder. one's based on a book or not. Um, it doesn't. I think seem it's. Like I think it. you said like a. I think it is more of a personal story. I think. Yeah, well, and that's that's where it does. She have something else to say, but um, I also liked. Uh, oop, I can't think. of it. It's an L. Fanning film that Netflix released like a month before this one. Um, um yeah, the title was gone from my head. Yeah, I can't think of it, but it's uh, another example of them having these really good young adult coming of age stories and uh, failing to promote them. Well, you know, like don't just show tiger King. Like you, they have to have some better way of promoting all of the content that they have. Um, all the bright places. They do. They pump out a lot. Yeah, that's it. All the bright places, which is directed by the same guy who did Brett um, Haley. Brett Haley. He did the hero, which I really liked, but more importantly, hearts beat loud, which I adore. That was incredibly um, good. And it's not, I don't think, uh, all the bright places is as good as either one of those films, but I think it's very good. And I think Elle Fanning and justice Smith are really good in it. And again, Netflix original, um, this is not what we're supposed to be saying right now. We're supposed to just be talking about the half of it, but sorry, Netflix, you have these really good small budget indie films that people can connect to, but you don't promote them well. And I'm, I'm tired of it because I want people to see this and I don't know if our voices are loud enough, but we're going to try the half of it is worth your time. So, uh, listen and watch. Fully agree with everything John just said. Go check it out. So from here, we're going to move into some new segments uh, that we're going to be trying out for the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Again, we're looking to turn this from a monthly podcast to a weekly podcast, or maybe bi-weekly. We'll see how the movie release schedule goes. It's kind of we're at the mercy of new movies, because that is the goal, is that we will review a new film, something that just recently came out um, on a service, some service, or a theater, if those ever exist again. Um, and then we'll talk about some other stuff uh, in the pop culture vein, mostly movie. But, you know, Matt and I like to diversify. We like pop culture in general. So we're going to start with the first segment is called Chuffed Headlines. These are headlines that caught our attention uh, for the week in movie or pop culture news. 
and uh, Matt has picked one or two, and I've picked one or two, and we're just going to kind of present what we've we've heard. So this isn't movie news per se, but it is. It's just us kind of talking about what else is going on in the world of film. So Matt, uh, what are your headlines this week? Yeah, I mean, the first one that caught my eye was, which is again, what the segment's about, what's caught my eye. It may not be the big news, it could be the most obscure thing, but this one's pretty big. It was the decision from San Diego Comic-Con to have the SD Comic-Con at home. And it's going to be free as well. I thought that's a that was a big deal. I think it was a good way of giving back to the fans who were obviously disappointed that there wasn't going to be a Comic-Con. And this was the first time in the history of the event it had to be cancelled. But we're getting something. Uh, we're getting something about movies, TVs, games and comics. We're not going to have a whole, any Hall H presentations that we're aware of. I think they've confirmed there's not going to be any, be like, any grandstand um sections of it and we don't know who's going to be presenting either but it's good to hear that the convention is embracing technology out there to give something to the fans like so many other ones are we don't know about some other conventions but i mean comic con comic con's the what big one it's the big daddy it's the big mama so july the 22nd to july the 26th they're just going to have you know they're going to be streaming these conventions and interviews and um different panels and to me i think that's great news and it's free it's interesting um you know, a few film festivals went for a digital route as well. Um, I I found um, like Tribeca was a little lackluster with what they gave us to watch uh, from home, and mm-hmm. more like it's oh Tribeca is a smaller festival anyway, so the amount of uh, clicks the the reviews get are always kind of small by comparison to like a South by or a Sundance. But this one was even smaller but that i mean people maybe aren't thinking about movies or especially not like obscure indie films that no one's heard of um because most of the time like what i see at tribeca won't be available to the public for like a year um so you know uh san diego comic-con i've always wanted to go so i'm kind of intrigued but like i don't know if it's going to be any different than what we're able to see from home anyways you know like because they've been they'll do highlights and stuff uh from the comic-con um but I'm I'm interested. I'm going to check it out. I, it's weird that they're still going to do like four days. Like, yeah, they really commit yeah. to it. Um, especially since like a big part of it is buying you know merchandise and getting autographs, and you can't do that digitally. I guess. I mean, you can buy. They they are setting up a merchandise section so for for this. How they're doing, I don't know. But there is an area where you can go and buy merchandise and still spend your money. Well, um, I, I'm intrigued to see what happens. Uh, I think. We, this is new listeners, so we're gonna we're gonna go a little behind the scenes. I think I'm gonna go next before uh, that. We'll kind of go back and forth. Um, yeah, man. So a big thing about movies is what whatever we're getting right now was filmed before coronavirus, right? Like because everything's been shut down, so all productions have been delayed. Um, and L.A. the county has uh, listed their guidelines. They are very strict. Um, it sounds like uh, the film crews are going to be very limited. Um, they're, they're, the few words that they used that were loose were like, um, they didn't say no sex scenes or no fight scenes, but they did say we discourage that. So it's like minimize the amount of physical contact your actors must have with each other. Um, they are recommending right. that actors and actresses do their own makeup uh, so that they don't have someone in their face. So I'm sure uh, many actors are gifted with that ability. Um, but of course, then you have the question too, is like all the people that are going to be still like technically unemployed if like if the makeup stylists aren't going to be allowed to do their job the studio is not going to pay them you know so there's that whole debate too of course um which is concerning they're going to limit the number of people that can be on set 
um it's it's going to be extremely different uh i i'm i'm guessing most movies now are going to have to uh adapt they even said like they want minimal like talking if possible because those virus spreads through spittle and you can't have your actors all wearing masks unless you're like doing er and scrubs again um you know so uh or you're doing a movie that's set during the pandemic but um so i like even if they're going to be doing dialogue scenes you're going to have a lot of wonders i would imagine where they're just talking to the camera um where there is no other person in front of them you know um we won't have a lot of over the shoulder shots i would imagine uh so we're gonna be having like you know every movie and tv show will basically be my socially distant dinner with andre right like (laughs) um um i don't know how they're gonna do that dude i mean how you wonder what how long it'll be noticeable for because like you say People doing their own makeup. I mean, Heath Ledger won an Oscar for the Joker for doing his own makeup. He didn't win the he didn't win the makeup, but he won the best supporting actor. So it can be done. But there we so I can't imagine certain actors wanting to do their own makeup. God forbid. But you wonder how noticeable it be noticeable it will be in films or TV shows that they've had to be very clever with their techniques and how they're filming things and stitching things together in the editing room. I also I just wonder how that's gonna how long it's gonna be before we start to notice that that's phased out again and. No, we're getting back to more traditional styles of filmmaking, but that's in that's a very interesting point. It's a good um, discussion point to have as well, actually, because uh, yeah, you, you hadn't I hadn't really thought about it because you hear like oh, like James Bond is coming, they're going back into production, or all the other films are going back into production and blah blah, and you think oh great, everyone's going to be on set and they're going to be it's going to be business as usual, you assume, but nothing like so many people have said, the new normal isn't going to come around anytime soon because you can't just get. 100 people especially on the big films 100 200 people on set in your face touching your touching your face touching your body um and talking in close proximity you can't just do that you can't you you just can't till we get a vaccine for this thing you really can't do that so i hadn't thought about it like that and it's going to be interesting to see how this affects output are we going to be are they going to still be churning content out or we're going to see a, a slower output of um productions yeah i mean or are we going to see like masks being written into shows more often so that they can have the masks on um yeah i mean of course the interesting thing about that is uh when you look at the slew of superhero movies that we've had one of the biggest problems that every filmmaker has come across is that the masks are emotionless and so they often have our superheroes taking their masks off way too often mm-hmm. Um, it's been one of the biggest complaints uh, from comic book fans is that like the characters take their masks off way too frequently. And um, so putting masks on more faces would not be ideal, right? Because then that problem comes in. I notice just in my day-to-day life, um, normally I'm very awkward. So like I always try to just smile at people to like, you know, hey, I'm sorry, I'm weird, but here's a smile. Um, and then I was like, I still do that. But then I realized that they can't see that I'm smiling because I'm wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah. um, so now I'm just like awkwardly making I like raised eyebrow motions apparently. Uh, but yeah, so it, it is, it's big. Cause again, not only um, will it change probably what we get or like what things look like that we get both in terms of maybe aesthetic, but also uh, in terms of like the structure of a scene, it's going to be a lot less people, a lot less extras. Yeah. Um, but also just uh, how much, like content are we really going to get i think some productions might just say we can't do this like you can't make the matrix four and not have fight scenes right i mean granted of course the last two matrix movies were heavily cg fight scenes but still like um there is some physical elements to that that, you need a point of reference somewhere right and so it's going to be um it's going to be different yeah um 
on your master chat, I can raise you. I've got a picture right above my head on the living room wall. I have a, a metal mask from a suit of armour from when I went to a museum on my face and I took a picture of the family. And underneath it, I'm smiling, but you can't see my face at all. But it was a natural rea- natural thing just to smile. Big cheesy grin, but you, all you can see is my eyes. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fully with you there. But that's going to be an interesting one. And um, I'd love to hear what you guys out there, what do you think about these points as well? So obviously Comic-Con and how do you think this is going to affect the TV and film production? But the we both, um, we've got a headline each here, but I think they kind of tie into one they do, almost. But they're just in our native lands, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, my one was um, the UK cinemas could reopen in one month, which ties into John's one, which was basically, yeah. What was your one, John? I'll let you my go is, with that. Uh, it, oh, I should note, my article was from Variety um, about the Los Angeles set strict rules. And then this one is from NBC News. And it's, it, the, the writer poses the question, will people ever go to the movies again? Um, as theaters have been in, like, in my state of Florida, uh, technically theaters could open today none of the none of the big chain theaters have um but one of our local kind of uh like sit down hipster food places in orlando they open today because they show a lot of retro films but like my big multiplex um they the, i've spoken to one of the employees and they were basically like well there's no movies to show and our theater has never had a lot of success with retro screens we never get a lot of retro screens here so like they don't they're not looking to show the movies from before or like older movies but um, we've had an active drive-in in our county, and that's been active this whole time. But this question, again, is even if theaters open, even if the studios release a bunch of movies that they've been pushing back, will people come? It's the it's the Field of Dreams question. If they open, will they come? Yeah, well, if you, if you invite them, they will come. That's Wayne's World 2 taught us. I, yeah, and it's the same for the UK. The cinemas are apparently going to reopen in July at some point, but at what point can you actually say they're open in this is an article from itv which is one of the two big uh television providers in the uk but they're saying that poland at the minute in their auditoriums it's 50 percent capacity bulgaria and eastern europe's only got 30 percent of seats can be filled so will they really be open they haven't released like a clear guidelines on how they will open them and to what extent but apparently that when you book seats online which is the only way you'll be able to do it which i assume most people do anyway they're doing it so seats either side of you will automatically be made unavailable. So if I go with three people, then we'll, we'll book, I'll book a bank of four, and then the seats either side of uh, the ends, ends there will be made unavailable. So there will be at least one space, but I'm entirely sure that's enough. But no, I see. To me, if I were designing it, I would do every other row is blocked off, right? So like, there's never going to be someone directly behind you or directly in front of you, um, in the row directly in front of you. And then uh, at least six feet, right, between seats that are not like your party. Like you and your 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 uh, partner should definitely sit next to each other. There's no reason to socially distance you two. Of course, but yeah. then I would say at least what three seats would be about six feet. Um, I'd say so. Yeah, I think so. I, mean, I think that's the only way you can or take the. Like, I've seen some pictures of people have been posting like where theaters are actually taking the seats out, so they literally only have wow, um, what out of let's say hundred seats, they may only have forty. And they have like banks of two or banks of three or something like that. And that's it. You, they're your seat or banks of two and they're your seats. I mean, they. I, I feel like they could rope off seats or something too uh, without having to do that. And the big concern I think now is that both the WHO and the CDC have kind of backpedaled on how we catch this disease a lot of different times. 
Um, originally, we were told not to wear masks. Now we're told we should wear masks, which I think I think you should. Well, I do, and I don't. I don't think it ever made sense that we didn't. The only the, the original argument was that we should not take uh, the the equipment away from the medical professionals who mm-hmm. needed it. I agree with that completely, but we're being told now that even covering your mouth with like your shirt is better than not covering your mouth because the disease primarily spreads through the saliva and snot that we spit when we cough or sneeze or just talking because some people do spit when they talk. Um, And that's the distance part, right? So if we're, if everyone in the theater wore a mask and that's the first thing is will every, I feel like theaters should wear a mask um, or require it. Right. And that's um, we had one multiplex chain. I got a survey from, and uh, the survey was disturbing because it sounded like a company who is looking to not have to require their employees to wear masks, uh, not require their customers to wear masks because they were asking, would you come if we didn't do this? Would you come if right. this? And I'm like, uh, yep. yes. And then like another question too. Now, um, from my understanding, food and now contact surfaces are minimal ways of getting the virus, like almost impossible to get these things. Like they'd have to cough on your popcorn and you'd have to eat it immediately, basically to, to get the virus. Um, And so, but at the same time, popcorn is really open. Like it's not like a, a, it's not securely covered. It's pretty open. They're scooping it a lot. I, I don't think I'll be ordering any kind of food from the movie theater. Granted I'm on keto again right now. So I wouldn't anyways, but even if I was not, I don't think I would currently feel comfortable with just the way their food's kind of sitting there in the public lobby where people are maybe hacking up their lungs, who, especially if they're not being required to wear masks. Um, I would be nervous. I feel like of all the things, and I've been, I've been to places, I've been inside Walmart and stuff since the pandemic. Um, I am, I am concerned with going to the theater, but I also feel like when my theater opens, I will probably go. It's a tough one because I want to go back to the theater. I want that experience again, but I don't also want to contract a virus and pass it on to other people, which could potentially kill me. Um, But be fair in the UK, most times I go to the shops, the grocery stores and whatnot. Most people have got a mask on and they are very um, decent at staying apart. You know, the British, we're very, you know, we, we stick by the rules, but um but it also begs the question as well, just of my final point on it, is if we're open at 50%, what kind of hit are the theatres going to take, but also the film studios as well? I mean, are they going to want to put a $250 million Wonder Woman 1984 out, knowing that they could potentially only make half the money they might do because not all of the seats are being allocated? That's it's, true. There's, a, there's that financial side of it as well. And, of course, the theatres make a lot of their money, all of their money from concessions. They make nothing yes. from ticket sales. So, They're I mean, going to have to change something with concessions, I think. Yeah, I mean, they've got to open to stay afloat. We're seeing everything happen with AMC and Cineworld and everything around the world at the minute. And obviously, that's just the main ones. The independent cinemas will get hit hard by this. But it begs that question as well. Is I mean, they obviously want to open as soon as possible just to get some money in the books and get them out of the red by the sounds of it, most of them. But, I mean, is it going to be more problematic? I mean, is it going to be, it'll always be worth it, but... Then the amount of the, the the extra expenditure on PPE items and sanitizers and everything is how much stock do you order in? I mean, do people do you, do you over order? Do you under order? I mean, how what do you do about that for customer satisfaction? If you order too much and people don't buy it, you just you got wastage now on your numbers. It's it's a lot of questions to be asked. And I think it's a very interesting talking point. But if you ask me, if my local cinema Cineworld open tomorrow, I'm not going back just yet. That's just me. Even with I, masks. I 
I feel like my local theater is very um, usually not that busy. Um, generally speaking, if they are if they are doing the like social distancing seating properly, um, one of the, my concerns is our theater does not have reserve seating, so I don't know are they going to add reserve seating. Um, I would be much more comfortable with that. Um, and uh, where if if they require customers to wear masks, um, especially because Outbreak has that whole sequence with the guy in the movie theater coughing and it just you know uh it's a closed in space um i, I feel the like helicopter in the airplane playing you know, chicken yes um <laughs> i i feel like i i am inclined to give it a whirl um i have been to the gym once um since they reopened but i was only on the treadmill uh i had a, it was raining so i couldn't run so i had to run on the treadmill um and there was literally no one in the gym at the time i was there because it's the 20th it is the dream. I went on a Saturday night at like eight o'clock. So no, like at night. So no one was there. And, um, the one person did come in towards the end of my workout, but they were like on the other side of the gym. Uh, neither of us were wearing masks, but again, um, it's not supposed to be that you're going to get it because of the air. You're going to get it because someone coughs near you and the virus is now in the air. It's not like, it's just like aerosol out there to be caught. Um, so it, it, there's a lot when you think about it that way that you can really minimize your chance of getting it by you just wearing a mask, um, realistically. And that's what they are saying now. That was like the most recent study is that just you wearing a mask minimizes your chance of getting it does not make it zero. Mind you, like if someone walks up and coughs at you and gets in your eye, or if like you look up and a crow drips blood in your eyeball, like in, uh, 28 <laughs> days later, 20, yeah. you know, um, it's, it is what it is, but uh i think there's practical if it's not like a crazy busy theater um i think you could potentially be safe uh i think and obviously i don't know i'm not a medical professional let's put that out there um just based on what the current cdc and who standards are uh with what's how is the most contagious i think it's a possibility so obviously matt and i are just kind of spitballing what these articles made us think about but it is that's, you about spitballing yeah, and we which spitballing not okay during the pandemic, just to be <laughs> clear. Um, uh, but you know, we uh, we both love going to the movies. That's why we both started doing this. It's our favorite thing in the world, and I know we both are missing it. Um, feels like I might be missing it a little more because I'm a little more willing to throw caution to the wind. But oh, um, it depends again. It depends what films you're on. If it's like Tenet, I really want to see Tenet, but you know it's going to be busy. Whereas when I went to see something like Suspiria last year or the year before it was like me and two other old blokes in the cinema right. and we had like yeah. a big like a 60 seat smaller theater to ourselves great that no problem with that i'd be more i'm just a bit more cautious about the bigger films well, right now i but, will um, say dude, i can't wait to get in the car drive 15 minutes yeah. to the big cinema world get in under that get inside with the wicked with the leds flying around and all the film trailers on the big um video screens and the smell of popcorn dude i can't wait for that but I will oh. give a, a suggestion. My um, a, a very intelligent uh, history teacher friend of mine, um, she went to the gym first, and uh, that made me feel a little like better about wanting to try to go to the gym. And I was just like, at first, I think she thought I was condemning her um for going because uh, I was like, "Did you go?" And she's like, "Yeah, should I not have?" I'm like, you "Well, beast. no, but I know you're also really concerned, and you're very, you know, you're you're." you've taken so many precautions. So the fact that you went gave me hope. What was the thing? And the biggest thing I think she said to me um, was you have to be willing to leave. 
Like, had she got to the gym and it was packed, she would have turned around and walked away and got back in her car. And I think it's going to be the same thing with the theater. If you go in and your theater is not handling things the way you think they should be, or you walk into your theater and there's a bunch of people with no masks and they're not following social distancing guidelines, um, I think you walk back out to the lobby, ask for a refund and go home, you know, or if you have like a movie subscription service, oh, well, you know, you just leave. Um, I think that's the big thing is just being smart about it. Like, uh, I'm I'm on summer vacation right now, so if the movie theater was open, I could try to go at any time that I feel like it's going to be the least busy. Like on a Tuesday night at ten o'clock, it's probably going to be empty. That's when I would go. Then you know, um, where I wouldn't go to like they used to do like the summer free kids movies during the day, like when there's just like daycares and hordes of carriers. Basically, like I'm not going to go during that time. Like, um, not that they're going to have that this year because I don't even know if the summer camps are happening this year. But um, I think that's it for. Uh, chuffed headlines we probably need to move on because we could i think this is a topic that we could it's talk a, about for hours it's a big one isn't it um and yeah guys out there as well what do you think are you going to run back to the cinema theaters when they're open cinemas or are you are you a bit more like me and a bit like oh, i'm not quite so sure but yeah that was a, that was a fun little segment and we've got another new segment haven't we john where we basically talk about anything we've indulged ourselves in in terms of movie tvs video games podcasts which aren't one of ours that we're using to pass the time. And this will be a regular enough segment. It won't just be in in uh, this pandemic time we live in or lockdown. It will be, you know, yeah. what, what we're doing with our time, basically. What we're used to doing to indulge our time. And most of it is movie-based, but not all of it. Right. Because uh, we, we do love movies. And while the podcast is reviewing a film, uh, normally just one, again, two this week, um, we like to uh, – we watch other stuff. And we'd like to maybe mention it. And maybe these are recommendations or things that you might have been watching in the meantime. So, Matt – uh, why don't you start us off? What have um, What have you been doing to pass the time? Um, well, recently I've been uh, I've been a big kid again. Uh, this Wednesday just gone the on YouTube YouTube Kids Star Wars Kids Jedi Temple Challenge dropped. It's a new kids show um, hosted by Ahmed Best. As we know, Jar Jar Binks was meant to be on Disney Plus, and um, we contacted Ahmed directly, big wigs and all, and asked him. Hey, you told us on well, because we spoke to Ahmed on the Star Wars sessions, and he said oh, it's going to be on Disney Plus. So we sent him a message saying, hey, Ahmed, just just to clarify, we thought this was going to be on Disney+. Plus. This must have come as a surprise to you. And he came back and he basically said the reason it's on YouTube is because Lucasfilm think it will find a bigger audience on YouTube. But it's got pretty good numbers and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, basically, it's, a, it's, it's for kids to do some challenges, like intellectual knowledge-based challenges and that, to become a Jedi. A lot of fun, 20 minutes. It's the sort of thing I would have loved to do as a kid and as a 30-something-year-old adult. I'd love to do it still, but it was great to see Ahmed back in the saddle. He looks awesome as a Jedi. And, yeah, watch it with your kids, guys, out there. It's, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, I've been watching Jedi Temple Challenge. In terms of films, I've, I've I only watched Alien recently in the last week. I've watched Alien, the 1979 classic, and realised just how much I think that film is just incredibly good. So incredibly good. good and it still holds up to this day other than that, that dude, oh man other That's than it. that i've been uh been on the ps4 a lot i've been playing fifa 20 i know john's been playing fifa 20 a soccer game it was mm-hmm. the equivalent of what 10 bucks now about eight pounds 50 oh. seven pounds everything i was like i'm jumping all over that so i've been playing that religiously um on there trying to get john into the ways of soccer and battlefront 2 they've counted they've they've stopped their further updates and we're getting a new star wars game it's been announced today we're getting a new one, but I've been playing Battlefront 2 a lot and listening to a podcast called Jewel of the Fates podcast. Um, it is more in research than anything else, but when Colin Trevorrow's script for episode nine was leaked and he has pretty much, he has basically said, yes, that is my script. 
a, a guys um, I, I can't remember the name of the production company um, Dury basically did an audio drama out of it um, using oh. a script they got voice actors in in quarantine to do it and it's quite good whether or not you prefer the Rise of Skywalker or Jewel of the Fates is another completely different conversation but it's an interesting kind of way of bringing that script to life and it's just a nice little what if and the production on it's pretty good I mean it's not always great because obviously like most people some people are doing their voice acting by Skype or something I guess or Zoom yeah or that, quality can suffer it, yeah it varies somewhat but, but yeah basically man has mainly been playing computer games in the last week waiting for more films to drop and I'm hoping that you've been watching films to give me some recommendations oh I've seen a lot of stuff uh, first though um, I'm a big fan of the Blank Check podcast which is interesting because I, I subscribed to their Patreon last month because they've uh, on their Patreon, they have uh, they did an entire um, commentary collection for all of the Marvel films. Uh, so I listened to all of that. Um, they started as a Star Wars podcast originally, and so they did the uh, they had already done the prequel commentary. So they did uh, four through nine commentaries, mm-hmm. and uh, during episode nine, uh, Griffin was constantly referencing Trevorrow's script. Um, they call him the Captain. Um, Interesting. And, uh, so I, I'm very familiar with it thanks to that that episode. I, I'm the, I I'm not a big fan of Rise of Skywalker. Um, I don't hate it, but I definitely don't love it, and I hate what it does to Last Jedi because I am a Last Jedi okay. supporter. Um, so I would have liked Trevorrow's a little more. There's some things I don't like about it, at least from what uh, Griffin said. But um, it's interesting that there's a podcast with that. I, I'm wondering now if Griffin knows about it, but. Um, I'm saying it like he's my friend, but uh, because of that <laughs> podcast, I finally I've been meet. I saw when Harry Met Sally as a kid, but I've not seen it as an adult. When I love rom coms, so uh, they're currently starting their Nora Ephron um, miniseries. Yep. And while she did not direct when Harry Met Sally, it is the movie that gets her into her directing role. Um, and because of how successful when Harry Met Sally was, and so I, I watched that to sync up with their episode on the sh- the movie, and I love that film. Uh, it's so great, and of course. Um, Carrie Fisher is uh, excellent in when Harry Met Sally, um, but be, uh, because of the Patreon subscription, after they finished the Star Wars commentaries, uh, they did. Um, Griffin is a huge Toy Story fan, like all time greatest movies ever, according to him. So they did the four Toy Story movies. In fact, the Toy Story four episode has not dropped yet. But this past week, um, they did all of the uh, the shorts and all of the uh, Forky asks from um, Disney Plus. Forky Ass um, is based on the character from Toy Story 4. Uh, it's a mini series on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Forky is talking to other toys. It's it's actually animated at the same quality of the films, which I was surprised. I thought it might be 2D animation, but it's the full 3D. Um, all the voice cast is the actual people from the movie, I think, except for maybe Mr. Pricklepants. Um, the best one, and it, there's no real order on Disney+. Plus. Like It doesn't say episode 1, 2. It's just like, here are these Forky Ass series. Um, but Forky uh, asks, what is love is really worth watching. Mel Brooks, Carol Burnett, Betty White, and I forget uh, the fourth. They're, it's like this classic group of comedic actors doing the voices of these toys. And it's really, really funny. Um, I, I like a lot of them. Some are, are simpler than others, but it's it's worth watching. And then uh, I, I had not seen two Toy Story shorts um, because they premiered in front of Disney films and not uh, one premiered in front of um, the Muppets movie uh, with Jason Siegel and Amy Adams, which mm. I saw, but not in theaters. And then um, one premiered in front of the re-release of Finding Nemo in 3D. Uh, and I didn't bother, I'd already seen Finding Nemo, so I didn't go to the theater to see the 3D version of it. Um, but it's uh, Partosaurus Rex. 
I think is what it's called. And it's uh, focused on Rex. It's really, really good. And then um, Small Fry, I think is what it's called. And it's uh, it poses the question of um, what about Happy Meal toys in the Toy Story universe? Um, and it's really good. Uh, a toy, a, basically a Happy Meal version of Buzz tries to replace Buzz, but he's a itty-bitty Happy Meal toy. So it's very noticeable that he's not Buzz Lightyear. So it's it's really good. I had not seen them. Those are all on Disney Plus right now um and worth watching so uh that's because the blank check podcast um i finally started watching gilmore girls which is a really popular Mm. tv series from the 2000s i'm only four episodes in really liking that show i connect to the main character because uh the mother because she's addicted to coffee and i love coffee you do like Um, coffee i do i'm drinking coffee right now um uh i've also been playing some video games but i've actually been using my xbox more than my playstation at the moment but i've been playing jedi fallen order which uh, have you played uh, I've played. <laughs> I've played through twice now. Okay, I was gonna say that seems like it's totally up your alley. Um, I just got uh, spoiler a double bladed lightsaber. Um, in the game, so I'm I'm moving forward. I was very happy when that happened, and then I'm also playing Resident Evil Two. Uh, I am a bit of a coward with games like this, so I keep getting just angry and then get off the game. Um, so that's those are the two games that have been currently eating up my time. Um, also, uh, still playing Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons on my Switch and Mar- uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, which I hadn't thought about putting on here. But um, but for movies, uh, I decided after the Black Lives uh, Matter movement really picked up steam that um, and then the NPR podcast uh, bringing up the Black Film Canon, which is a Slate article uh, that you can check out. Um, it's 50 greatest films by black directors giving black experience. Um, there's a lot of movies on the list I've never seen. So I'm more trying to work through that list. Uh, I've watched Eve's Bayou, which is amazing. I had not knew nothing about the movie and it's so, so good. Um, I watched Cooley High, which is I've known about and been meaning to get to finally did, uh, the watermelon woman from 1996 and Crooklyn. I watched this morning, which I don't believe Crooklyn is actually on the list, but I decided that I want to, uh, kind of deviate for a moment from the list and focus on Spike Lee because his new film which we're going to be reviewing next week um, came out on Friday, June 12th on Netflix. So I, I have a lot of gaps on the Spike Lee filmography and I want to kind of hit some of those. So that's why I watched Brooklyn this morning. Um, and then I watched a couple documentaries, uh, be water, the new ESPN plus uh, or it's the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary about Bruce Lee, which is available on ESPN plus um, is really great. I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan. So it was really cool watching that. And then, uh, for Movie Club, I, I watched the uh, Amazing Jonathan documentary, um, which, if you've never seen, Matt, is on Hulu, and it's pretty crazy. It's a yeah, pretty I crazy It's called The Amazing Jonathan, because like I said in the last uh, episode of Astrology, I assumed it was about yourself, that they'd, you know, uh, Hulu had finally decided to put the money up to do a documentary on the life of JB, but I'm <laughs> sorely disappointed that it's not. No, it's about a uh, magician slash comedian. Um, I used to be a fan uh, when I was younger. I haven't seen a special with him in a while. But I think in like late 90s, early 2000s, his special was uh, repeatable on Comedy Central all the time. And I watched it a lot. Um, so I was very excited to see the movie. Uh, and then it was very different than what I was expecting, but in a good way, mostly. Um, it's definitely worth your watch, uh, listeners. So that is how I've been uh, consuming media um, in the month of May. And we'll, we'll move on. Um, I think the last thing we need to talk about is uh, for us and also for you. How are we staying bloody awesome? This is the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. How do we stay this bloody awesome? Um, and this could be anything. This is basically just any kind of parting shot. This is our farewell topic. Um, and it's funny. Uh, I had not read what Matt had put on the show notes. 
and I had already planned mine. And I was like, well, we went the same direction with ours this week. Um, we both went with food. So, Matt, what are you doing? Well, it is hard to stay this bloody awesome. I, I will say that for you guys out there. It's a tough job, but, you know, someone's got to do it. And we do right. do it. I said do-do. So how have I been staying bloody awesome? Healthy eating. I've been threatening for <laughs> years now. I'm going to put the donuts down. I'm going to put the chocolate down in the cake. And I'm going to finally get back to a certain level of fitness that I was at, what, six, seven years ago. I mean, you know, you look good and you feel good. If I say so myself, you feel good. Uh, so I finally made the plunge. I've been eating salmon. I've been eating grilled chicken. I finally tried asparagus and I dug it. Rice, I know some people don't, will say don't eat too many carbs and that, but I have my own way of dieting based on how I did it a few years ago. And the pounds fell off. And so, yeah, but how about me staying bloody awesome? Eating well. So if I can be that guy, guy, everyone out there, eat well this week and be like me. But um, someone else has been eating well with things which, to blow my mind, yeah. that can you can um, lose any weight is over to John. Uh, so I, I, over the last year, I'd lost 100 pounds, and I have uh, 20 pounds, 25 pounds that I want to hit my goal weight. It's still not even like the best weight. I should go for a little more, but I will be happy if I can get to 220. And so um, I'm back on keto. Uh, this week I've been hardcore keto. Um as hardcore as I get, uh, some people go real hardcore and they buy like supplements and stuff like that. I don't do that. Um, I just cut the carbs, uh, monitor my carbs, keep calories low, um, find fun ways to do things. And so, um, like chaffle, which is one of the things Matt was talking about, which is a cheese waffle. Um, it's cheese, one egg, uh, and mixed together in a, put in a waffle iron to make a waffle. Um, you can make them savory. So I bought this everything, but the bagel seasoning. So I'm a big fan of bagels. I really, really miss bagels. Uh, but, this actually, it tasted a lot like a bagel. It doesn't quite have the same texture, but depending on where you get your bagel, sometimes the texture is bad anyways, right? Like some bagels mm -hmm. are too chewy or too hard. Too hard. Um, but then last night uh, I was going to, we had, we made a roast chicken two nights ago and my wife made the best collard greens like I've had in a long time. And we had just so many collard greens left. Like she, she made so much collard greens. So I was like, well, I'll eat the roast chicken that's left and, and collard greens because my wife and my daughter were at work last night. So I was like alone for dinner. I was like, but I need something else. Like I can't just have those two things. I need something as another side dish. And so I normally like French fries or mashed potatoes or something that would be what I would want. Uh, and I decided to try zucchini fries. Um, so I cut up some zucchini, uh, put some Parmesan cheese on them, put them in the air fryer. And oh, Matt, they were so satisfying. I was so full. Um, and it was like the whole meal was under 450 calories because collard greens are like nothing on the calorie count um, and a little bit of hot sauce on those. And then roast chicken, you know, it's just white meat chicken, uh, maybe 300 calories for what I ate. And then the zucchini fries, it was like two zucchinis, um, maybe uh, like 100 calories between the, the Parmesan cheese I added to it. And because it's air fried, they're not even like super yeah, fat yeah. or greasy. And man, um, I made a, a dipping sauce with mayonnaise, ketchup and sriracha. Uh, sugar-free ketchup and oh dude it, it was real real good um i i'm kind of wanting zucchini fries right now because it is my dinner time here and uh gonna be i think we're getting hibachi tonight because i i go no rice hibachi just double vegetables and meat yep. boom keto um so yeah uh, i've been eating keto it's been it's been uh during the pandemic it's been hard to not eat sweets because i stress eat and the sweets became my like kind of crutch and i was still like being diety about it where i would i'd only allow myself like once a week to have a donut or whatever um but then it started getting where i could feel like i was creeping it in like i'll have a little cookie here or i'll have this 
And so I finally was like, I need to cut the sugar again. Cause I want to, I want to at least get to 220 and then I can manage my weight versus like losing weight. Like now I need to lose 25 pounds. Then from this point in the rest of my life, I hope to just be, you know, actively, you know, I'm running, I'm exercising, um, I'm, I'm lifting, I'm doing resistance training and I am exercising. I am running. Dang it. Uh, there you go. And so like, if I'm doing that and eating like a normal person could eat, I should be fine. You know, like not having six donuts a day or not going to McDonald's and Taco Bell for lunch and dinner kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like so good. it got where I was, yeah, it, it, it got where I was indulging myself too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, that's why I got to where I was um, not how I got to where I am now. And uh, it's been, I was worried that I wouldn't be able to just really like commit again, but I, I love rules. And so keto is a diet that's very straightforward. Like you do this and this and this and not, nothing else. And so if you can just stick to that, it's pretty easy. Um, and that's key. Like you mentioned, like the carb thing for you, but the the number one thing I've heard from nutritionists and doctors is you have to find a diet that you can actually do. Yes. It's not one that will actually work. It's one that you will work with, that you can adhere to the rules. And that's what, for me, keto, I like a lot of, I like meat. And I've really grown to like vegetables. Like I love vegetables now and I, I can hundred percent give that to keto um, over the last year. But um, now it's easy, like meat and vegetables. Fine. No problem. You know, I'll, oh, I'll eat way too much broccoli uh, and cheese. I, I also like bacon. I, I don't do what, if you like a look at a lot of keto recipes, people are just like, and you just add bacon. It's like, you, I don't want to die. That's why I'm losing weight. Like I don't want a heart attack while losing weight so i i don't do the bacon like a lot of other people do the bacon um i try to eat like a, a lot of ground turkey and stuff too uh, a lot of lean protein as opposed to the uh the overly fatty that's keto is a fat-based diet um but there are healthy fats like avocado that you should be eating not just bacon so uh not to school any of you keto people but you you do have to watch your heart guys. some of the stuff Jay, um, but i wake up sometimes in the morning or i'll be sitting here in jolly old england in essex here doing whatever i'm doing to stay bloody awesome during the week and i'll and my phone will pop up Ding! oh it's jb a photo and it will just be the most ridiculously nice looking food and i say it to him all the time how on earth because i know a guy over here uh, who lives around the corner i used to work with it's also done keto and lost a shed load of weight and i used to see what he'd eat every day it was meat and cheese and the stuff he makes on his barbecue he's like i always say to him how the hell are you eating this and lose it and the weight is falling off you and it's, it's incredible. And some of the stuff JB sends is like salivating. <laughs> I'm just sitting there dribbling all over my phone. And I, that's what kind yeah. of part of the reason what kicked me into it as well. So yeah, that means to sound like a lecture to you guys. God damn, check out that some of the stuff that JB's eating on his socials. Yeah, I was about to say, we're going to bring up social. My my freaking chaffle sandwich I sent you the other day has more views than most of my movie posts. So. <laughs> I don't blame it. It's such a, and he didn't even make that. There's beef and everything. And I was like, how on? Because you look at it and because I, I looked and you think, but that can't, you know, if I eat that, surely that's too stodgy or there's too much fat in it somewhere or too many salts. But nope, it's, you know, it's, it's keto. So it's there to kick kick the weight off you. And it's, it's clearly working in the most positive sense. It definitely helps. Um, so with that, I think we lead to the end of our episode. Uh, if you like what we're doing, please rate and review the podcast on whatever social media. Please hit that subscribe button as well. Um, you can follow the show, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, on uh, social media at Twitter. Um, Matt? Uh, follow, yeah, Twitter, at BAMP underscore podcast. B-A-M-P, uh, abbreviated for Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And then on Instagram, we are Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. So don't put the word cast, just pod. 
Um, and then you, we're even on Facebook. Just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. You can follow us there as well. Um, you can follow me personally at BurkeReviews.com and on social medias, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Letterboxd, at Burke Reviews And Matt? Uh, you can find me what I watch tonight.co.uk. That's all one word. What I watch tonight.co.uk. And just search for what I watch tonight on Twitter and Instagram. And also on Letterboxd, either what I watch tonight or WIWT. And my face will pop up. So uh, lucky you, I guess. And we will be back next week with our review of Spike Lee's film, uh, which is on Netflix, The Five Bloods. Um, with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody.